Karen with NewClevelandRadio.net, and it's time for Avoid the Maze. And for those of you who listen regularly, you know I always have a guest on who has gone from A to even B, and that's been a huge jump. And my guest today is Jason Skisik. And when I read Jason's autobiography, or bio or whatever you want to call what we write about ourselves. Um, I was really impressed that as I read it, Jason, it didn't seem like this was much of a stretch for you, even though you may not have thought about this 20 or 30 years ago. So tell us a little bit about you and um, how you became the Jason you are today. Well, first of all, Karen, thank you so much for having me on the show today and sharing your audience with me. I appreciate you and your time. Um, I'm just excited to be here. I, uh, well, so 20, let's go back 20 years. I'm, I'm 40 now. Uh, when I was just turning 21, I joined the United States Army. Uh, so I spent four years in the United States Army. I lived in Germany uh, and was deployed to Iraq a couple of times. Um, and when I got back from the military, I did two things at the same time. I, I followed my, uh, you know, my military mindset side of my brain, and I pursued going to college for a finance degree and becoming a banker. I thought I was going to take over the world of industry. Um, but in my time in the military, I learned that I could build things and overcome problems and troubleshoot things. And so the second thing I did right when I got back from the military is two other veterans and I started a small CrossFit gym in a dusty warehouse uh, on the fourth floor of an old building in Chicago. Um, and, and that was much more the spirit of the puppy for me. That was that was me just having fun with my friends and having a place to be. Uh, and it wasn't until a few years in uh, that I realized that if I combined those two things, uh, the spirit of the puppy and the military mindset, uh, that I could actually have a pretty great business of my own. Uh, so I, 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 I had to commit to being a full-time entrepreneur. And so that's what I did. Uh, and as soon as I did that, um, you know, I, I, uh, I found a, a lot more success. We were, we were able to actually treat it like a business. We were able to regularly go out and find clients and, uh, you know, create systems and procedures in the business that would allow us to, to have a lot more success more frequently. But um, that's sort of the beginning of my journey. Certainly we can go from there, but I want to stop talking to let you jump in. No, I love it. But you're talking about year 2000, which um, a lot of people were terrified when uh, the mm -hmm. clock struck 12. Sure. Um, my husband and I were working in IT at the time, and I had just completed a program that was supposed to transfer over exactly at 12.01 a.m. And I'll tell you, that's the only thing I was worried about. Would my program get to where it was supposed to be? And it did. But a lot of people, year 2000 um still were skeptical even when new year's hit mm -hmm. you know things are going to change and are they going to change for the better or not and so i'm sure you saw you know a shaky economy and uh is that the best time to start a business you know, it's funny you say that. Uh, so I graduated high school in 2000. And so I didn't join the military till 2004. Um, but I actually have been playing leapfrog over uh, over these big catastrophes for my entire adult life. And I'll explain what I mean. Okay. You just kind of made me realize it. I've, I've thought about it very lightly. But what you just made me realize was, 
when I turned, when I was in high school for my senior year was when Y2K happened. And so there's a bad economy and all those things. As you were talking about that, it sounds terrible. I didn't really think much about it because I was sure. still in, in high school. Um, and then, of course, the beginning of the war on Iraq, I, I wasn't there for that. That was when things were, were particularly rough. Um, right. I missed that. So I, I was deployed, but in a safer scenario uh, in 2004, five, six, seven, and five, six, and seven. Um, I get back and I went to finance school when in the biggest financial crisis since 2000 or since 19, uh, uh, since 1929. Right. Yep. Uh, and so because of that, every single step of the way, it was like, oh, this is really bad. And then by the time I get through that training or that ordeal that I'm currently facing, uh, it was, you know, not that bad. In fact, in COVID, I had just was going through the process of selling my gym um, and working uh, and beginning to start my coaching business for at the time for gym owners. Uh, although now my, my business focuses it's a different business focuses on uh entrepreneurs so um so i actually skipped covid to some extent as well although very much if you're listening to this and you know me from the gym uh very much was involved in that process of kind of shepherding that tribe through that very challenging time for gyms well um so you're in the chicago area correct yeah, that's right. So I have uh, my older son was in Chicago, and I think Chicago took it more seriously than Cleveland. Um, and, you know, he he basically was locked in his condo for a year. Uh, every once in a while, he went to his law firm, but he had to let people know ahead of time they was coming because nobody else could be on the floor if he was coming in. And it was like, it's not that bad here. <laughs> yeah, I moved to Indiana. I'm about 45 minutes away to an, 45 minutes to an hour away now. And it's like night and day from one side of that line to the other. And, you know, just to address that, it's, you know, different places have different political views. And, uh, and also, too, when you're in a big city, I think, and you talk about being close to other people, I just think that there, it's hard for someone that lives in a city where we're bumper to bumper all the time to understand what it feels like to live in a more rural or suburban area. And I think in reverse, it's hard for people to really understand. That's why even years ago in the 90s, I always remember seeing pictures of people in Tokyo wearing masks or in China wearing masks. Right. And I'm like, wow, that's crazy. And it's like, well, there's 16 million people in like an eight square mile You're right. radius, you know? <laughs> Well, we're all learning a new culture and, yeah. um, you know, I, I, I find it interesting, uh, sometimes a little nerve wracking because it's like, Hey, I want to go back to the fifties and sixties where I grew up. But then when I actually look at the history back there, it's like, was it any safer than it was today? Probably not, but yeah. we didn't know about it because we didn't have the internet and things like that. So you identify yourself as an entrepreneurial evangelist. Explain that. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that's something that was sort of attributed to me. Uh, and, and really what it comes down to is I'm the guy that if we're all at a, a block party in the neighborhood, like I have to not ruin your life. <laughs> If you have a job, uh, I have, to, you know, I, I, my wife, before we go, really, before we go to these events uh, in the neighborhood, I have a really great community that I live in here uh, in the Indiana Dunes. And she's always like, hey, just 
just be nice and be friendly, but don't ruin anybody's life. And what she <laughs> means by that is I'll meet somebody who hates their accounting job or hates their job at the bank or hates their job at the car company or whatever. And I'm like, you should just start your own company. It's easy. I'll help you. You can do this. Then you do that. Then you do that. And you're a millionaire. And like, by the time I get to the end of that, they're like, yeah, I really should. And, and so I, I'm, I'm very evangelical about the things that I find that have helped my life. Um, and so if you've ever read the book uh, Tipping Point by Malcolm Gladwell, he talks about mavens. He talks about connectors. And I think there's one other one. I'm a textbook maven. You know, when I get something new that that has helped my life, not even from like a business perspective, just simply, I've got to tell you about it. I've got to tell you how great it is and all the little features. And I've probably sold 20 Apple watches that I never saw any money for, <laughs> you know, or, or a pair of shoes or whatever it might be, you know. Well, and you know, I, I think that is a very important um personality trait that you have i think so many people hold back you know well if i start talking about that apple watch oh my god everybody's going to think you know that i just throw my money around and you know just buy whatever the latest is or i've just read this book and oh you've got to read it because i think it's great I don't look at it that way. I look at it as, oh, you're going to teach me something. I don't have to accept it. Yeah. But wow, if I wasn't here at this moment in time, would I have learned this? And the answer is no. So take advantage of it. And, you know, that's basically what this podcast is about, that if I hadn't read your bio on Podmatch, um, I wouldn't have gotten to know you. And you do things necessar not necessarily the same way I do, which is great mm -hmm. because we could learn from each other. And those people who are sitting out there going, oh, no, you know, just because you have them on your show, Karen, I'm not going to listen. That's up to you. Um, and I like evangelists that really tell me the way it is. And yeah. sometimes I can stand there and laugh at you. And other times I can just take it all in. Well, I'll um, be honest with you, Karen, even if it's just me and you listening to this thing, I'm having a blast already. Okay. So we've already succeeded as far as I'm concerned. So you mentioned your wife and you live in a community. So I'm going to make an assumption you have children. I have one. I have a, a daughter, Lucy, who's about 20 months old. So we're, <gasps> I... you know, we're, we're out rucking around in the beach. Uh, even today, I took her, I put her in the backpack and went down to the beach with her and picked wow. up rocks and threw them into the water. So she's forming her personality right now and she's forming it because she spent so much time with you and mom. Yep. Uh, and sometimes we don't realize the influences that our kids are getting until all of a sudden they move away from home mm -hmm. and they know how to do things that we never particularly showed them. Um, and they become entrepreneurs because they just watched something or heard something from somebody else. So one of the things and reason I asked about children is that sometimes we give too much influence to our kids. You know, we decide what they should be as they're growing up. Mm. So as this evangelist, um, is that something you're going to do with your baby as she's growing up and let her know? Yeah, it's funny. Uh, I think my mom nailed this uh, in, in some ways. There's certainly some things I'll change, but 
uh, for starters, actually, before I even go any further, I have had a child for 20 months. I am not an expert. I'm just going <laughs> to tell you my ever. point of view. And if you're listening to this and I'm full of crap, then I hear you. Just listen. I, I know. <laughs> but uh, my hope is that she can be an entrepreneur. She can be a doctor. She can be a bus driver. She shouldn't feel like she can't be anything. And so to me, it's much more about showing her that the world is what you make of it and you can create things that didn't exist in the world if you set your mind to it because i think of entrepreneurs as people who see the world as it could be and can't help but to take action and so if that's the case i don't care like i do jujitsu i don't care if she does jujitsu i i did i own a crossfit gym i don't care if she does crossfit i uh i went into the military i don't care if she wants to goes to the military i would support it um and if she chooses not to be um, an entrepreneur, then that's fine. I will say that if she ever comes up to me and says, Dad, I don't think I want to go to college, I'm going to smile. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, uh, yeah, I, I think, oh, the way I, what, I, what I led in with was my mother, though. My mother did a very good job of exposing me to so many things. The only thing she didn't was... Uh, I never really learned an, an instrument or, or anything like that, but, uh, but I was in art classes. I was in photography classes. I was in, uh, and we weren't well off or anything. We were just normal, you know, park, parks and department stuff, but she was running me around from everything from dance lessons to, I was in a play, I was in multiple plays when I was very young. Um, and so the one thing she always said was, she's like, I don't care what you do, but you're going to do something. And so every part of every year that I can remember as a kid, I was either in football or, um, or baseball or snowboarding or skateboarding or, uh, or I was in classes for this or classes for that. And, and when I wasn't, we were doing, um, you know, all sorts of, uh, you know, arts and crafts around the house and things like that. And so as a result of that, I think, what the result of that was that I have just learned, learned to love learning and, and acquiring new skills and trying new things. And so I'm someone now who as an adult, you know, I'm a woodworker, I restore classic cars, I'm a podcaster, uh, I, I have all of these different hobbies, I collect things. Um, and so I do jujitsu, I mean, I go on and on. Um, and so hopefully, I, I think that there is some, some beauty to sort of a broad and diverse interest and the ability to be interested in different interests. Well, and, and I think anyone at any age can become the person they want to be. And that person does, it's, your value is not in the paycheck, although we all need some sort of paycheck to put a roof over our head and food on our table. Uh, I've been going over this with my son who, uh, got a great job down in the Dallas Fort Worth area. He moved four months ago and, uh, you know, he had everything planned out and things are going better than he thought. However, money right now is tight. And I said, experience it. Yeah. You need to experience it. So as you grow, you know how far your money actually stretches. I said, when you first left ha the house, you thought, okay, well, I'm going to get my condo and I'm going to get my car. And you had all these lofty ideas, but you're not quite in that bracket yet. And that means that it's going to take time. And 
he sort of got his late start getting into the arena. He's uh, 32 years old, and he keeps saying to me, Mom, everybody else is about five years younger than me, and they're going to have more than me when they get to be my age. And I said, who's counting? Who is counting? Are you doing what you love to do? And you can just hear it in his voice. I couldn't be happier anywhere else. But I don't like Texas. Okay. But you love <laughs> what you're doing. And so it's not hard to go to work. And you can use your brain. And you can, you know, sit there and come up with ideas. Whereas if we wouldn't have given you that freedom up until you moved away, you'd be taking a nine-to-five job and be very, very bored. And I know the feeling because I did that for a long time in my life. Mm. But when you started this CrossFit, okay, so you came out of the army, you probably felt really fit, probably were, although it sounds like maybe you had a desk job. Well, I was doing both. Uh, we were, I, in the military, fell in love with fitness and, and, uh, oh. and things like that. But I hadn't found CrossFit yet. Um, I was just going to the gym every day with my, my two veteran buddies. Uh, and when we went, we were rock climbing as well. I was doing a lot of cycling, rock climbing and CrossFit. And at the time, um, I remember coming, we were going rock climbing outdoors and camping quite a bit. And I was coming home from a trip and my friend who I was in the service with called me and he's like, Hey man, uh, the CrossFit gym's $250 a month or whatever it was at the time, which is astounding in 2010 or 29, 2009. Uh, and I was like, well, he was like, you want to just start one? And I was like, sure, let's just start one. And so we did. Like, it was just, it was one of those stories of, of where you, you know, if you knew now what you knew then, or if you knew then what you know now, you never would have done it. But we did it and, and we were able to overcome it. And uh, so we actually opened a rock climbing wall and uh, we built a rock climbing wall and opened it and a CrossFit gym in a big space. Um, but more importantly, I felt like I could. And the reason I felt like I could was because I had been through struggle incrementally since I was a child, first in a controlled setting, uh, whether it was just normal kid stuff. And then it was my dad and my mom taking me to sports and learning how to, you know, oh, you get hit by a person in, in football and you get right up and you dust yourself off and you realize that you're not going to fall apart. Um, and then when I go to the military, it's, hey, we need to drill a hole in this piece of cement and we're in Iraq, which means if the drill bit breaks, there's no Home Depot to go get another one. <laughs> and so you have to figure out how to get through it. So here I am chiseling or holding a jackhammer sideways inside of a manhole, which I really did. And so it's one of those things where we learned together. These people that I'm talking about were with me there, learned that we could overcome almost anything conceivable in like all sorts of different environments because we had to. This was a job that was very, very hard. We didn't get to pick what the mission was and we didn't get to pick who we worked with and we couldn't quit. And so because of all of those things combined, when I got back and somebody asked me if I wanted to open a CrossFit gym, I was like, yeah, I can do that. That's easy. And so I've sort of just carried that. It certainly was wrong, by the way. Uh, it was not correct, but it was easy to say yes to because I had seen what happens when you acclimate yourself to increasingly overcoming struggles on a higher and higher scale. Well, and the reason we call this podcast Avoid the Maze, um, for a good portion of my life, I kept finding that I was in that maze and I'd hit a wall. And instead of taking a step back and saying, how do I get around this? Um, I would panic. And I kept waiting for somebody to rescue me. And typically it didn't happen. I had to find my way and I would, and I'd be fine for a while. And then again, slam up against it. Um, 
but I didn't realize how resilient I was um, until I met my current husband. And that was about 41 years ago. Yeah. Um, and he noticed something in me that nobody had ever said. And that was, well, you can do this. Oh, you can do that. I can show you then you definitely will know how to do that. And I look at him like, what are you talking about? Um, and he, he never has allowed me to say I can't do something. Mm. And the real big trick was, um, it was about the mid eighties and he went to work for a very small company at the time by the name of Microsoft. Um, and it was tiny when he went to work for them and they needed alpha testers. And he said, you can do this. I couldn't even type. So you're telling me this box that you brought home, I'm supposed to like get into the software and play with it. He said, you can do it. Can you follow instructions? I said, yes. And that's when it really hit me. I can do this. And if I do it wrong, well, then I'm going to figure out how I did it wrong. So now I can do it right. Mm. Um, and it doesn't mean that I'm always perfect. And I'm sure you felt that probably the same way when you opened up your, your CrossFit, you know, I know what CrossFit is. I know I want to do it. I think I can do it. And I'm probably going to make some mistakes along the way, but what am I going to learn from them? Mm. So what do you tell clients that you coach that come in with this, you know, Jason, I really want to do this, but I don't know how. Hmm. You know, um, that's a great question because what I would say is usually the people that I end up working with are entrepreneurs, which means that they're in that group of people who already has overcome that the hardest thing, which is the first step. And so they've taken the first step. Maybe they've even had some success. Um, really, the people that I work with the most are the people like what you're talking about. They're like me, uh, me previously, uh, where they have broken through brick walls. They, they encounter a wall, they push harder. They've learned how to wear all the different hats in the business. So they've learned how to be okay at marketing, okay at sales, okay at this, okay at that, all in service of this vision of how they want to see the world, right? Um, but the problem is, is we're individuals. And so usually when someone comes to me for help, it's because they've hit a ceiling and that ceiling is them. They, they are only capable of so much. Now, listen, if you're a stockbroker versus a painter, then maybe that scales higher before you hit that ceiling. Sure. But we all will hit that ceiling at some point or another because we're just human beings. And so what I try to do is I help them to take a step back first we clear up some time I, I immediately work on helping them have a little bit more free time because usually they're overwhelmed uh, and then we start to talk about okay well what makes you special what makes you uh, great at what you do so much so that you don't see a way to re reproducing yourself or scaling yourself within the business to to a team um, and there's a, a multi-step process to that, but it's actually, it, like you said, it's following steps. And so the first step is, well, what are your goals? And then it's, what is the mission of this company? And then what are the values that are in your core that really make you, you? And then from there, we can start to identify the people that we can start to bring in that can maybe not replace you, but maybe they can replace parts of you. 
right? Maybe you bring somebody in who understands social media. Maybe you bring somebody in who understands how fulfillment, like a coach, if you're a gym or a whatever. Uh, maybe you bring in somebody that's great with finances or maybe better at crossing the T's and dotting the I's. You need some administrative help, right? Um, but we can't hire anybody. We can't scale anything. We can't even really sell anything well unless we really know very comfortably exactly who we serve, exactly the problem we solve for them, and exactly how we do it and why that's important to us. Once we figure that out, all the other dominoes can fall down quickly. And I must say that most people have that drive, but they're so afraid to use it. Uh, I grew up in a family where my father um, had so much drive and dreams in him. And I'm not going to say my mother cut him down, but my mother needed him to go out and work and bring home a paycheck. And so she would support him, but only to a point where he would have to give it up. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not going to say necessarily he had to give it up, but he would give it up or he would really scale down. Mm -hmm. um, but I learned so much from him that the things that he really wanted to try, he did go out there and try. Mm -hmm. And one example, which most people will laugh at, is um, my dad was watching, and this is back in probably the early 60s. Um, and that's when we only got like three or four TV stations. Uh, it was a Saturday afternoon, and he was watching something about raising chin chinchillas. Mm -hmm. And... Um, he decided after he watched it, he called my two brothers and my mother and I into our den and he said, okay, I'm going to go out on Monday after work and I'm going to see how many white rabbits I can buy, how to mate them and be able to sell them for their fur. Now, we didn't live in the country. We lived in the city. <clears throat> and the next day, he went out and converted our garage. And he made cages for these bunnies that we didn't even have. Yeah. But the following weekend, he came home with one male and six females. And very quickly, all the females were pregnant. And all of a sudden, there were bunnies. And we all had to learn how to take care of these rabbits so that <clears throat> their fur would grow properly and that my father learned how to shave them. Wow. None of us had that experience. Um, and so that was my first step to understand. If you have a dream, don't follow it. The only reason he gave it up, we moved from the Detroit area to Minnesota mm -hmm. and taking those rabbits across the state line back then was illegal. So mm -hmm. we had to give it all up. But I think we all have that dream to want to do something. Um, and maybe we haven't hit a ceiling, but it's we just want something different. You know, maybe uh, your parents convinced you when you went to college that you should be a lawyer. Then you become a lawyer and realize, well, yeah, I can do this, but 
don't really want to do it. I have that client right now, by the way. That I can believe client. it. Yep. Yeah. And yeah. so it, family sort of looks at you like you're going to give up your law degree to go raise rabbits or <laughs> go cycling or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. But I know when I made the change for myself, it was so liberating. And I knew that my income was dropping. Um, and did I wanted to know, but I wanted to feel good when I woke up in the morning. Yeah, I, I, I'll speak to that really quickly. Um, I think of my life as a three chambered heart. Uh, I have my personal and professional life. I have my family and social life. And then I have my personal like self care, right? And I think a lot of times people think they can borrow blood from the other two chambers and pump them into one. And what happens is you die if that happens. The only way to expand your life is to do so kind of in lockstep. So we need to be focused on our family. We need to be focused on our friendships. We need to be focused on ourselves enough to where we can show up as the person that is the best version of us. And then our entrepreneurial or even our employment life can get so much better so much more quickly but if you you can only for a very short period of time manage to borrow from the other two in order to inflate one and when that happens whether usually it's in work right somebody will knuckle down on work and then i, I can't tell you how many excuse me i can't tell you how many very wealthy people i know who are not happy in their their marriages they don't have good friendships their children don't like them if, if you're listening to this, by the way, and this sounds like you, I really am sorry, uh, which is why it's so important that we start with those things that are non-negotiable and then we we grow and expand over time. Um, I think it's, uh, you can't cut corners forever, you know? <laughs> well, I know when I was with Corporate America and I've said this many times, I loved what I did, okay? I was helping students find the best curriculum for themselves. If it really wasn't the best, I would tell them, this may not be the time. Let's look at something else. Now, did my management like that? Absolutely not. My, as far as they were concerned, when somebody came in and they said they wanted to be a nurse or they wanted to be in criminal justice, I was just supposed to listen and sign them up. It's not what I did. I listened. And if you told me you wanted to be a nurse, but you don't like touching people and you're afraid of blood. It's not, the, it's not the occupation for you. So I loved what I did because I basically was coaching students and I didn't like the culture. I didn't like the culture so much that I was making myself ill. Mm. So I know what you're talking about. You can't borrow from each because that's what I was doing. And the day that I came home and said that I was going to quit, my husband looked at me and he said, you're that unhappy? Because I had masked it with him. Hmm. And on that day, I said, I'm going to tell you this right now. I love you, but I do not like you. And I said that to my son. And I said, and the reason why I don't like you, I don't like me. Hmm. And they both looked at me and said, quit now. And I was so grateful for it. Now, it wasn't easy for the first couple months because it was like, I have this vision, but I didn't know exactly where to put it. Yeah. And then somebody contacted me and said, um, 
you know, you used to podcast for the college. Why aren't you doing it for yourself? And my first reaction was, oh, I can't afford that. They said, don't say you can't until you figure it all out. And by the end of the day, I had it figured out. I already had a computer. I already had microphones. I already had a soundboard. Like, Here we are. I, I just need somebody to talk to. And they said, no, you don't. Just deliver some information. And that's what I want our listeners to hear because it sounds like that's basically what happened when you started the CrossFit. Well, you like CrossFit, your buddy like CrossFit. Well, worst case scenario, we're gonna have a place to do what we like to do. Yeah, that's all it really was. I mean, at the time, both of us were doing the same thing professionally. We were both working in good corporate jobs. So for us, it was much more about just having a, I, I think if you, if you, if you look at my resume, uh, you know, from, uh, sports in high school to military, to financial, to, uh, fitness, to now entrepreneurship, it can seem like a lot of different lily pads that have no connection. But the truth is, I've always been attracted, especially since the military, to like tribal teams of people that are going through things together, that are working hard together. Uh, my friend Robin Lalonde calls it collective elective suffering, where we get together and we do something really hard. Uh, and that makes all of the other struggles in our lives seem so much easier. And so even now, as I'm helping individuals, entrepreneurs, typically with a team, either no team or a small team, um, even them, I find that bringing them together into groups, we have a mastermind like this, uh, bringing them in together into groups, it's just so rewarding to me to help bring those people together. And, and it always has been for me. So I, I very much identify with, with that struggle and, and, um, and with how important it is for everyone to feel not just seen, but like to feel like they have people in their lives that get them for, for who they are. Uh, and I think that's hard to do when you're an entrepreneur. I think this is, I, I meant to say this earlier based on some of the things you've been saying. I think it's important to also say, if you don't feel the urge to go and build a business, please don't. It's the hardest thing you can do. And so if you can't, if you can possibly stop yourself, by all means, if I could have a job that paid me, you know, six figures a year to show up and, you know, sit on my phone and do whatever people do when they have corporate jobs that aren't that hard, uh, I would, I, I can't, I can't do that. I, I need to be out there pioneering and engineering my vision of, of a thing. Uh, and so the people for the folks out there that are hearing this that identify with that, you know, you know, Karen and I are, are your people for sure. Uh, but if not, by all means, like if you can be a, uh, you know, a, a fireman or uh, a teacher or a, you know, banker or a doctor or a lawyer or whatever you may be, if you can do that and earn a great living, please, please, please take it from me. You don't need the stress. Just keep doing that and set boundaries, I guess. But, you know, <laughs> well. And, and you used the word that I felt in the beginning of my change called stress. Mm -hmm. um, but luckily, um, I have taken a course on positive intelligence, which has allowed me when that stress starts to hit to go, wait a second, where is it really coming from? Mm. Is it something that I don't really need to deal with? Because if so, I have to concentrate on to get it out of my way. The other night, my husband was sitting in the studio with me while I was um, doing, uh, I was being coached and he was like, you know, and they couldn't hear him. And he'd go, oh, 
you'll never do that. And afterwards, I said, why'd you, why'd you do that? And he goes, because I know you will. I know you're going to do all the things. He said, but you know, you don't have to do them for me. And I said, no, I have to do them for me. And I know when I've taken on too much. And I made an announcement to a couple of my clients today that I have to put some things on hold because I had taken, I wasn't going to be good to them. And I definitely wasn't going to be good to myself. Mm -hmm. And that's what you were talking about, trying to take from different parts. That's what I tried doing for the month of February. And it was like, it's not working. And yeah. I don't want to be in that situation. So have you ever gotten to that place where I'm doing all this and ooh, I think uh, I certainly 100% I have, uh, but I think I have an advantage. Um, and that is, uh, I call it spirit of the puppy, but a lot of people call it ADD. And what that means is I can't, I can't, I can't sit at a desk and stare at a cubicle all day. I'll be garbage. And I'm not a stupid person. I just, I can't, I can't, uh, you know, I can't do things that I don't care about. I can't do things that uh, I don't, I'm not connected to. Um, I certainly, you know, can with a lowercase c, but with uppercase c, it's not where I'm going to be successful. Uh, I was able to fulfill on the job of, of, of being a banker at the bank, right? Uh, but was I top of the class? Absolutely not. Um, and so, you know, thankfully, I wasn't, right? Otherwise, I might still be there. Um, and so, yeah, I, uh, I don't have it in me to do things I don't care about. But you can't stop me from working 100 hours a week if that's what it takes to to go out and create something that I'm super passionate about. Uh, and so because of that, um, I, I like to think of myself as a shepherd of my own attention span. And so I try to set up the gates and and shepherd my attention span towards those things that are valuable to the world, that are valuable financially, and that can help people and that I will enjoy. And so I've been very, very lucky um, that I love energizing relationships. I love, I think of myself as shepherding people towards the top of whatever their mountain is. That's what I do as a coach. Um, and so very much identify with um, putting myself in positions where the work doesn't feel hard. Uh, I don't I think I retired in 2018, to be honest with you, um, because that was the last time that I was trading my time for money, even in my own business, where I was doing something that I wouldn't have otherwise done to get a paycheck or to make more money or to do whatever right now, or to whatever extent that, that, you know, we're doing well here. Uh, it's as a result of me playing, it's as a result of me doing the things that I love to love do. To do. Yeah. I mean, how many times are you on a call with a client? I guarantee you, Karen, you have this too. You're on a call with a client and it's like, I should protect my time. And you're like, but I'm having a good time. I'm having a great time. I'm yeah. talking to you. I'm talking to you. I could talk to you for two hours, Karen, and I'll get off of this call buzzing. I've never gotten off of a phone call with an entrepreneur with less energy than I got on. It's just never happened. Uh, I mean, there's certainly been jerks, but when I, when I say that, I mean, like, it's never felt like work to me. Um, exactly. And the more of it I do, the more of it I want to do. And so let's rock, let's go. Like, I'll keep doing it. Well, and I'm so glad that you brought up the ADD because I don't know if you've seen uh, the new employment uh, regulations, but you now have to identify if you're on the autism spectrum, have ADHD or ADD, which I think is horrible because I think so many of us do. And many of us are probably 
undiagnosed. Well, my um, generation, so I didn't mean to cut you off. My generation was hyper over diagnosed, yes. right? So, so it's like 60% of my peers were have ADD and were on exactly. medicine at some point. Yeah. And my youngest son, um, at age six, now he was this normal child up until age six and somebody gave him the label of autism and everything changed because doctor said, oh, if he's autistic, we got to do this. Teacher said it. Um, he's the one who's down in Dallas, has this wonderful job, went there to do one major thing. And within a week, they said, oh, you know how to do that? Oh, you can do this. And he's just excelling. Um, like I said, he loves the job. He loves the people he's with hates the city, but he said, you know what? You can't love everything in life. And that's, that's the truth. You can't. Um, but we have to get our society to stop looking at individuals who might be, who can't just sit all day long to do one thing, see what that person is capable of doing, you know, encourage them. Um, obviously you encouraged yourself because you understood it. Um, and my son is the same way, you know, as soon as he got away from school, as soon as he got out of college and nobody, you know, had to know that he was on the spectrum. Um, they, you know, people always said, how can you be doing all this work? He said, because if I like it, I can do it. So, uh, I think you, you said it well, that, um, you know, if you love what you're already doing, if you're a teacher, if you're a clerk in a store, it doesn't make any difference. If you love what you're doing, keep doing it. If you but, love what you're doing, nobody has to tell you that. I think that that's 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 the yeah. thing. It's like, I mean, uh, to, to to that point though. Earlier, uh, I was removed from regular school in first grade, um, as and put into a, a behavior disorder school for seven six years. Um, where they could, I mean, we had smoke breaks in the nineties. Uh, <laughs> and so, uh, yeah. And so there was 40 kids in four classrooms from K through 12 and I was in first grade. And so I was in there with people that were in gangs and had been in violent situations. And all I was, was just tough in class to deal with. Right. Um, but as a result of that, so there was some negative stuff for sure. But as a result of that, the other thing that came out of that was there was nobody else in first grade, which meant Jason worked at his own pace which meant that I had, you know, teachers that were looking out for me that really took an interest in me. Uh, it meant that I read, you know, dozens and dozens of books that were like this thick because I got into it and they let me, they, they found a way where I would go through my work. I'd be done in three hours for the day and I would spend my time reading the rest of the day. And so because I had this opportunity to, to, to sort of pursue my own interests as long as I was, you know, learning and growing, um, I attribute that a lot to uh, to who I've become as a person, as an adult, uh, because even then going to college, like I would fall asleep in college right after school. Uh, before I went into the military, I'd go to school classes in college. I'd just fall asleep and I'd sleep through a 1 p.m. class. I just just was not capable of being there. The military, of course, took that right out of me. So the second <laughs> time the second time I went to school, I was a straight A student. But uh, yeah, so I could I very much identify with what you're talking about personally. And when some of us go to college, we're really not ready for it. I know when I went to college, um, I got sick uh, after my second year, um, but I had gotten 
an associate's degree. And at that point, my parents said, okay, you're fine. But it just didn't fit me. When I went back in 2010 to get my bachelor's and to get my master's, it was like a breeze for Easy, me. Right? And I couldn't, I couldn't <laughs> wait for the next assignment. It was like, yeah. you know, what's going to happen? Yeah. And so I think sometimes we make ourselves do things that we're just not ready for. And that goes for people who say, hey, you know, I want to build a house, but are you ready for it? Okay. Mm. That's where you have to write it all down and identify, you know, what is really important. That house might be important, but you know what? You want to go swimming and you want to go boating and you want to do all these other things. That house isn't going to get built while you're doing all those other things. Well, that's the maze, right? Yeah. I mean, you, you end up in the maze when you try to do all those things all at the same time. I, I When I think of my younger self or even when I coach younger people, uh, usually employees, um, there's been multiple times. I mean, in within the last week, this is there's a whiteboard right here. This has been drawn on my whiteboard, and it's exactly what your metaphor is. Is I'll draw a maze or like a spiral, and I'll be like, sometimes you get stuck in this thing when really all you have to do is go right around it. And so, it's to to your point, um, I remember being young and thinking that there were all these different things, and I had to focus on all these different things. And ultimately, when I look back on the things that I actually succeeded in, it was actually very simple. And so, a lot of times, what I'll do when I talk to somebody is like hey just for a second we're going to get through this so just for a second think about what the person in the future would tell you what would he tell you or she would they tell you oh it really was oh super i mean maybe if you're a you know engineering ai or something but in general most people it's like the solution is actually pretty simple and so we, we we get in there our heads and we find these spirals because we don't know where else to go and uh one thing i like to say is uh it's a lot harder to drown than it is to swim but if you don't know what to do, you're going to drown. <laughs> well, yesterday I was trying to um, help my son switch over his insurance from Ohio to Texas. Um, and I've never done it before, but hey, it just looked really simple. The problem was when I put in his email address, um, I put in Gmail and it was Yahoo. And there was no way to go back in and fix it. But there was a way. There was a phone number, but I could not see the phone number. I didn't see anything as I went through it. And I finally just turned to my husband and I said, okay, I can spiral through this and lose my mind. Or you can either help me find it or you can do it. And I'm not good at relinquishing anything that I'm doing. It was the best thing for me yesterday. I walked around feeling, okay, I made a mistake. I accepted I made the mistake. I accepted that my brain was not where it needed to be to resolve it and go for it. And in 10 minutes, everything was fine. But if I would have done it, I probably would I wouldn't have any hair on my head because no matter how much training you have, no matter how positive you are, you can still spiral out if you don't stop it. And we're human. Yes, we are. That's true. So what famous words do you have for us before I have you tell people how they can find you? What famous words? 
Well, there's three types of work. This was told to me by a mentor years ago, and I, I very much try to live by it. Uh, there's three types of work. There's work that you cannot do well. Don't do it. Just find a way to not do it. Don't, don't be a baker if you hate measuring things and cleaning up after yourself. Uh, two, there's work that you can do, and at the end of the day, it drains you. It, it takes a toll on you. It spends your life uh, doing it. Uh, and you should minimize how much of that you do. And then there's work that you, sh you can do that it seems like no matter how much of it you do, you're recharged and energized. Do that as much as you possibly can. And if you're not in a situation where you can only do that, what you can do, so this would be like part B of that, is imagine the mountaintop that you one day want to sit on. I want to sit on this mountaintop. I want to make this much dollars a year. I want to have this much time with my family. I want to take this many vacations. I want to wake up at this time. I want to look like this in the mirror. I want to be able to go to these places and do these things and drive this car. Everything. When do you wake up? When do you go to sleep? How many children do you have? Is it, are you married? Are you not married? Whatever it is. All of those things, the more clearly you know what that mountaintop looks like, the, more, the, the much more easier it is to only take steps in that direction. And that is essentially what I help people to do, uh, is by guiding them to take steps in that direction. And when they decide to, you know, take a shortcut and step in a different direction, I just remind them and put them right back on the path. Uh, but you can do this for yourself. Um, and, and I think that if you can do those two things, you will be a happy person. And if you find that you're not, it's because you actually have misunderstood those things. Well, there are a lot of coaches around. Uh, and one of the things that I do for our listeners, I'm a coach advocate. And what that means is, no, I'm not going to coach you, but I'm going to guide you to the coaches that have been on this program. Uh, if they're not the right ones for you, well, you know what? They know somebody else who might be. That's one thing I love about coaching is that not at least in the last year, and I counted it up the other day, uh, 226 different coaches have been on Avoid the Maze. And you all are similar but different. And I think that's what's important. And you all know that. And you're not going to take on a client who doesn't mesh with you and you don't mesh with them because it does it does nobody any good. Um Jason, you've been a delight. This oh, has been absolutely wonderful. Um continued best best wishes. Uh enjoy that little baby of yours. That's I'm sure you're doing that. Oh, yeah. Um and we'll have you back on and maybe uh we'll have you back on with one of your clients who wants to talk about how they got to the mountain. Oh, that'd be lovely. Well, again, thank you so much, Karen. And if you're still listening to this, it's because you love uh, Avoid the Maze. So before anything else, be sure to go over, like, and subscribe for Karen. She's doing a great job and putting her heart and soul into this, and you can tell. Um, and if you have any energy left after that, then you can find me and all of my stuff at www.spearandclover.com. If you think that you might be a good fit to work with us, I typically help, uh, small entrepreneurs that work online go from six figures a year to six figures a month. So if that sounds attractive to you, just reach out to me and we can talk about if I can get you there. It's wonderful. And all that information will be in the show notes. So there's no excuse to say you didn't know how to get through to Jason. Love it. Have a great day, Jason. You too, Bye -bye Karen. Now. Thanks again. Thank you.